Welcome in, everybody. Let's get right into it. All right, so getting out into space is not only incredibly stupid cool to think about and ponder and, you know, as we do, make books and graphic novels and video games about it, but it's also arguably necessary for the continued growth of human civilization. Now, space colonization is a multifaceted challenge that is going to involve contributions from various scientific, uh, engineering, and social disciplines, right? As technology advances and our understanding of space deepens, the prospect of human colonization beyond Earth becomes way more feasible. Now, firstly, we would need the cooperation of all the governments and major institutions of the world, right? We, we would need to develop some pretty big advancements in the fields of things like sustainable foodstuffs, recyclable water systems, advanced propulsion engineering, I am, I mean, little things like, uh, like Lemmas bread, right? From Lord of the Rings, where uh, there, there's a deleted scene where Legolas says, uh, it is said that one bite of this elven bread could fill a man's stomach for a whole day. And then Mary and Pippin are like, yeah, I ate three. Oh, I ate five. <laughs> Because, of course, they did. So, yeah, it would be things like that. Um, propulsion engineering. I, I mean, either nuclear-powered uh, propulsion via fission engines or, better yet, fusion-powered engines. So, you, you could... I, I mean... I, I, I kind of prefer the idea of fusion-based technology to fission, because fission is far more uh, destructive, has a lot more potential for destruction than fusion does, because just as the names imply, fission is breaking things apart, fusion is combining them together. Alright, so once we have those and once those things are pretty routine right those those things that would be essential to our survival in colonizing space uh in what i mean by routine is say we had the horse and buggy for eh, forever for all of recorded history and then we had ford automotive we had we, we had motorized vehicles. Well, those things were seen as like a, a radical step in the direction of transportation. But over the past hundred years, they've become very normalized and uh, everyday part of basically almost everybody's life, right? In, in some form or fashion. So they're very routine. Everybody knows how to use them. There's their things that are readily available and it's it's been woven into the fabric 
of not just society, but but of human utilization. So once we have made all of these developments in these different fields and they do become kind of routine and it's a pretty stable thing that everyone is kind of familiar with, then we will be able to traverse the galaxy much more freely. Now here's what colonizing space will take once we develop the space-faring vessels necessary to transport the right amount of people and equipment needed to, say, form a colony on a planet. And these, these spaceships are going to have to be pretty damn big. So first off, we will need a life support system. Not just for the colony on the planet, but for these spaceships as well. Now, life support systems create reliable, uh, well, they're reliable systems capable of sustaining human life in the harsh conditions of space. And that includes systems for producing oxygen, removing carbon dioxide, and recycling water. And I think we are starting to develop technologies like this. Right? We, we already do have machines that are capable of recycling liquids and filtering out everything that is not water from those liquids, right? You can, I think you can um, re, you, you can, you can cycle through your urine maybe like three or four times before it becomes toxic. Or maybe that's just how many times you can drink your urine before it becomes toxic. Either way, um, it's not easy. It's it's not a process that's readily available. It's not everywhere. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have to pay for water. Uh, so yeah, once once we have that, and it is a uh, pretty handily and readily available thing, uh, we'll throw that into. Uh, being part of our life support system. Next is habitat construction. Now this will entail designing and building habitats capable of withstanding the challenges of space. So radiation, right? There's all kinds of radiation that's out in space. Um, microgravity. So each celestial body, it doesn't have to be a planet or a sun, it could be an asteroid, a moon, a very large comet, they're all going to have some sort of gravitational pull to them. So we, we have to compensate for that somehow, right? We, we have to uh, have living spaces that can withstand extreme temperatures. So, it, it, space is super cold. It's really very cold. It's literally a vacuum, right? And it's it's probably the coldest you could be is in space because it's it's a literal nothing. You would you would freeze almost instantly after your eyes pop. <laughs> you know, if you. Uh, took a long spacewalk with no helmet. 
but there's also flashes of extreme heat out in space. Stars, comets, things like that. So I, ideally, you would want your habitats, your spaceships, to be able to resist those temperature extremes. It's going to be very crucial. You also want modular and expandable habitats. So what, what that will mean is you kind of have some pre-built, um, well, modules. And they're, they're like these little rooms, these mini, almost mini houses that you can drop onto a planet. And it contains, let's say, medical bay, uh, science lab, kitchen, whatever. And on the uh, outsides of that, that module, it'll have, say, some, some sort of extendable arm that's basically a hallway that will connect to the next module, and so on and so forth. And that mode of, of building these kind of habitats has been uh, thought about and experimented with, and it's actually pretty cool. So the next big thing to think about for our space colonies is sustainable food production. We want to be able to develop some sustainable methods for growing food in space. That's going to be quintessential to long-term colonization and civilization. So we would need hydroponics, aeroponics, and other advanced cultivation techniques. If, if you think about like the, uh, the hydroponic plants, just, just for instance, um, all they require is a little bit of water and light, I think, and you can grow this kind of green mushy substance that is food. It's, it's not very good, but you know, you can, you can make something out of it. Alright, something else that you'll have to think about is resource utilization. So this will be implementing technologies for extracting and utilizing resources from celestial bodies, right? So moons, asteroids, planets, and why that's important is uh, the Earth has a finite amount of resources, right? So you're going to reduce the need to ferry resources from Earth out to your colonies. You, you, you want your colonies to be made as self-sustaining as possible, as quickly as possible. Uh, this will include mining for water, metals, and it will also be critical for possibly discovering some new materials and new minerals, uh, a new kind of metal, maybe a new wood or plant, something like that, that can serve as a constructive material. Okay, next on our list, energy generation. 
colonies are going to require a reliable and sustainable source of energy. Now, there's tons of power out in space. Uh, you can utilize solar power to a great effect. There's tons of nuclear power thro being thrown around <laughs> out, out in space. Um, and like I said, if, if we develop and perfect some fusion technology, some fusion reactors, fusion engines, then I, I think we'll be pretty solid on energy generation. But uh, yeah, if, if we go out onto a planet and we don't have that, I think probably one of the best things to do is set up some solar farms. And it, it's, it's going to be a colony, right? So it's going to be pretty small to begin with. It's not going to need a ton of power generation, just enough to keep us alive. So a good sized solar farm could fit that bill pretty easily. So we're going to need some ecological systems as well. Now, th this will include what's called a closed loop ecological system. Uh, we're, we're going to be recycling wastewater. Um, we're going to be supporting a balanced ecosystem that is crucial for sustaining our populace, right? This is going to include things like air purification, uh, oxygen scrubbers, nutrient recycling, which takes a pretty damn dark turn in a lot of science fiction. Um, I'm trying to remember a story about the train that's like running through Siberia, like the earth is frozen and all of humanity is on this train and the poor people are fed these power bars that are made out of like cockroaches. I, I, I can't remember what the snow piercer things called snow piercer. Um, th that's what I mean by this can turn really dark really quickly is you, you could end up with that with uh, you know, this really oppressive class system uh, that has poor people eating recycled cockroaches. Yeah, definitely don't want that. Okay, so we're also going to need medical capabilities. Now, space colonization will pose a pretty unique challenge to the overall human health. Because we don't have a lot of experience with it, we don't quite know what to expect. We, we have a vague idea. Um, we, we can kind of calculate how the effects of different levels of gravity will affect the human body. Um, but we, we don't have a ton of long-term data on that. And everybody's body is kind of different, but we're all relatively the same when it comes to things like gravity or solar rays, um, oxygen deprivation, or oxygen saturation, for that matter. So we're going to need some pretty advanced medical capabilities. Um, 
Yeah, and and the ability to uh, adapt and learn really, really quickly. I think that's where things like medical-based AI is really going to come into play here. So we, we could see something like a new kind of virus or bacteria or an infection, a, a growth, a parasite, a symbiote, something. And right off the bat, we have no idea what's happening. It's affecting somebody really, really quickly. Well, we have, say, a robot that is infused with the latest and greatest medical AI, right? It's It's got hundreds and hundreds of terabytes of data and information and medical knowledge and history and anatomy, all that kind of good junk shoved into it. it scans it and says, oh, okay, yeah, this is like a weird form of blood fish that's worming its way through the individual's body. Let me get it. I, I think things like robots with medical AI will be a perfect tool in our space colony. Next, we'll need a communication system. Basically, a reliable communications network that will be essential to maintaining contact between Earth and the space colony. So, low latency, high bandwidth communication technology going to be pretty critical and whether we do that by setting up maybe a node relay like with little satellites that, that we just drop in between earth and the colony every thousand light years or so or we, we develop like FTL communication so we can we can send a message to Earth and have it not reach there like a thousand years after we send it, that would be pretty handy. Especially if, uh, you know, we get shit kicked out of us by an alien warlord or uh, we're fighting a monster and we need some help, right? Yeah, who knows? Could run into anything. So... Once we establish our colony, once we grow and develop it, we're going to need some sort of legal framework as well. We're going to need some kind of governance structure. Now, it's pretty easy to jump at the answer and say, like, a democracy, pretty easy, right? It's going to be like 10,000 people. Make it a democracy. Well, if you just go straight democracy, it's going to be really easy to slip into a, a mob rule mentality, which falls prey to stirring up general amounts of emotions, right? A, a great example is, like, let's say a kid is found dead, and there's a guy standing over the kid's body holding a bloody knife. Now... The, the mob is going to see that and say 9,000 of the 10,000 say, we want that guy dead. Yeah, okay, well, that's all their votes. They vote to kill the guy. 
when in actuality that guy could have just pulled the knife out of the kid and it, it was he, he was like just got on the scene he's looking around doesn't know what happened um doesn't know who did it when in actuality the person who did do it got away scot-free let this innocent guy take the fall for it and you're down say a hydroponics engineer or a fusion reactor tech now your your colony is that much more screwed right so it's really hard to determine what kind of governing body to, to work up. Maybe you form some kind of a council where you you have a you have a governing body that's made up of representatives from each like department, right? The engineers send their guy, uh, the food and water sustaining people, the ecologists, maybe th they send their guy. Um, the psychiatry, psychology, the, the people in charge of taking care of people's mental and physical health, they send their person. Maybe you do it that way. I, I think that might be a pretty good solution if it's a really small populace of people. Now, all of this is going to take the most heavily concentrated human effort imaginable. And I absolutely believe that it's going to take all of us working together to get to this miraculous point in our future. To get us out amongst the stars and just, just keep on going, you know? But yeah, that's all I had time for today, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends. And may the Force be with us all. <laughs>